um, it is an absolute joy uh, to be with you and share, uh, not just tonight, of course, but a weekend of celebration, two great celebrations, the resurrection of Jesus, the death and resurrection of the Lord. You know, if Jesus had only died, he would be a martyr only. And there are millions of martyrs in, on planet Earth, but the fact that he rose again made him a savior. And we're here tonight because he didn't just die, but he rose from the dead. And that's a great celebration. And, and our lives are enriched because of his great love uh, towards us. But also we're celebrating uh, what Jesus died and rose from the grave for. He came to uh, redeem humankind. He came to build a fabulous church. Uh, he, Jesus, in fact, said, I will build my church, my called out community, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we are part of a fabulous church. The, the eyes of the world this week have been on Paris and the burning of a building. And as tragic and as terrible as that is, it has not diminished the church one little bit. Amen. Uh, the church continues to grow in advance, and I'm sure it'll do amazing work at restoring that building. But Jesus didn't die for Notre Dame. Come on. He didn't die for Fiesta, or whatever it was called, with Shirley Bassey in the background. Um, he, he died for people, and we are the church of Jesus Christ. We heard that so passionately from Kath tonight, and that's what we are here to celebrate. Not only the death and resurrection in Jesus, but the community of life that he has in fact redeemed and that we are uh, hopefully all of us here uh, tonight are a part of. So it's my joy for a few moments just to share something from the Bible, if that's okay, just to encourage you uh, in your faith. Uh, if you're from this church or maybe from other churches I know that are represented here, hopefully this will be an encouragement to you. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to read something from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. It's a short reading. I'm going to put my glasses on because apparently you're more intelligent if you do that. Um, so nothing to do with the fact I can't see the words if I don't. Um, so I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now these are uh, the words of a man called Paul. And Paul is writing a letter to a church a little bit like this one. Um, but it's in the first century world. And he says these amazing words. Verse 1. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before God our Father, uh, our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. What incredible words. Paul goes on to say this, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. 
Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell you how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from this coming wrath. Incredible words, beautiful words. Uh, and Paul goes on to say uh, some other things there. When, when I first uh, entered ministry, uh, my wife uh, and myself, we were really pioneering a little church. It was a, a, a little uh, village church in a, in a village called Havercroft, halfway between Wakefield and Barnsley. Uh, some of you know that. It's not many people know where that is, but it is a real place. It really did exist. And we went there straight after Bible college. And to say we were pioneering, technically not exactly true. Really, we were uh, re-energizing or repurposing something that had sort of died and then another church had taken it over and wanted to breathe some life into this context. So Don and I went, I was just 20 years of age, uh, filled with, with enthusiasm and passion, and off we went to try and do something in this lovely little place of Havercroft. And, and it was, you know, it was hard work. It was just, just, you know, every day you just had to get up and try and do what you had to do. And in that time, uh, I had the wonderful privilege of connecting to an amazing man of God called David Shearman. Many of you may know David Shearman. Uh, used to lead the church at Nottingham, now called Heart Church. And although David is technically retired, he's probably doing uh, tons of work around the country and around the world. And David was so gracious to us. We were just a little church. I, I, I was just a kid, really. And I remember picking up the phone and said, could I come a couple of times a year, just have lunch with you? I, I'll pay for lunch. I just want to get some wisdom. I just need some help in trying to do what we're doing here. And he was so gracious. At that time, his church was probably about 900 to 1,000 strong. And here I was on a Sunday. If, if everybody sort of turned up and we counted the legs on the chairs, there was about 20 people on a Sunday night. And so, so that was the challenge that we had. And I remember sitting with David, and time after time after time, he'd said some amazing things to me. And one of the things he said, I have never forgotten. It has become a sort of a, a, a mantra in my understanding and my commitment to any local church that I have been a part of. He said this. He said, the significance of a church is not in its size, but in its influence. Now, that was helpful for me for two reasons, because he was sitting on top of a pretty large church by, by our standards. I know we've got larger churches now, which is wonderful. And there's some amazing expressions of the church of Jesus Christ all over this country. But, but back then, you know, this is now 30 years ago, uh, David's church was, it's, it felt like it was huge, massive. And so it was amazing to hear a, a man of God leading a very significant numerical church say that. And actually, it's not the size of the church in terms of the numbers, it is the influence of the church. But that was also really helpful to me because I was sitting in a little toady church. Uh, and, you know, there are churches today would have more people in their small group that, than were in our church on any gathered moment on a Sunday. And it really encouraged me to think not so much about uh, how many, but about how well. Uh, and actually, I think that's what Paul is driving at here. It's, it's really interesting if we look at the church at, at, at Thessalonica, from the text itself, we couldn't tell how big it is. 
In fact, when you go back to the book of Acts, where it talks a lot about the start of the early church, there's only a couple of times where numbers are really mentioned. Now, now don't hear what I'm not saying. Numbers are important. It's important that we do grow strong numerical communities. It's important that we understand those numbers and we utilize those numbers. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. But, but Paul's emphasis here to Thessalonica, he's not commending them for how many of them there are. He's commending them for how well they're doing. That so encouraged me. It so blessed me and it so helped me because here's Paul saying to this church these amazing words from the text. Here's what he says, verse 8. I don't know if you, you caught these words. The Lord's message, he says, rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Now, I don't quite know what that means. What he means by that, like does everywhere literally mean everywhere? Or is Paul uh, simply saying that, that in my movements around this region, everybody knows who you are? Now, that could have been because they were big. But actually, I suspect it's more because they were generous and influential in the things that they did. And that's such an encouragement to me. I, I, I want to encourage you on your journey. Whatever church you're from, whatever numerical size that church is, uh, that's something we celebrate, uh, and hopefully it's an encouragement to us. But, but the significance of any local community, uh, whether it be uh, something here in Stockton or, or whether it be in other parts of the country of the world, the significance of any local church is not how many people gather, but how well they go. Come on, are you with me? It's not just like, like uh, having, having a gathered community, but then what we do with that community, how we energize that community, how we inspire that community, how we help that community, not only corporately together doing things uh, under the banner of destiny, uh, uh, together as a community reaching out, but also as individual members of this community going into our world, into education, into our jobs, into our families, into the highways and the byways, and just being an influence for Jesus, just bringing his glory and his love and his majesty and his greatness among us. Amen? And actually, I, I think that, that that's what, what really is going on here. Do you know, it's an amazing thing. If we, if we didn't know uh, the facts about this church, but you listen to Kath tonight talking about this church's influence, not only in this town, but around the world, and I, and I took a complete stranger, maybe from another church in another part of the world, and I said, having, having heard what you heard from Kath tonight, how big do you think that church is? People might say, ooh, maybe, maybe 500, 600, maybe 1,000, maybe more, because what they're looking at is, my goodness, that's a huge influence. That's an influence beyond their context. That's an influence beyond their economy. That's an influence beyond their history. That's an influence beyond the limitations that they're experiencing. So people may go, my goodness, looking at the evidence, I would say, huge church. 
And, and that should be an encouragement to you. Now, I know, I know, now listen, don't, don't mishear me. Numbers are important. And we, we want to see more and more people reached and brought into the kingdom of God. So don't hear what I'm not saying on that. But, but the point is this, actually, actually, it's not about how many, it's about how well. It's, it's not about how many we can gather, it's how well that gathered community are going. And if we can inspire people, ordinary people, to, to go and be influencers, then maybe this sort of, this Thessal Thessalonica sort of experience can be ours. Paul says, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Love that so much. And, and, and I love the, the sort of vision statement of this church. So it, it goes something like this, transforming lives through audacious faith, inspiring hope, and extravagant love. In fact, Kath Reference the extravagant love tonight. And of course, in many ways, we're here tonight because of audacious faith. In many ways, we're here tonight because of hope that has inspired. And we're here tonight, absolutely certainly, because of God's extravagant love to us. It's an amazing message. And I don't know if you heard the echo of, of faith and love and hope in the message of Paul in this chapter. He makes reference to it right at the beginning. Look at what he says. He says this, we continually remember before our God and Father, what? What, what do we remember? Here's what he says, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. Now, here's, here's what I want to get to in the context of our celebration tonight. I think those three things are the building blocks, the foundational blocks that this community holds to that becomes the springboard for this incredible influence across the world. That, that actually, they've got some really solid things going on in their world. They, they, they've got simple things that they're committed to, and they're making happen on a day-by-day -day basis, that whether the sun is shining or not, whether it's a good day or, an, or a bad day, they're getting up every day, and they're doing these things. And because of that, it has created this springboard of opportunity into their world. They have become influential because of their work produced by faith, because of their labor prompted by love, and because of their endurance inspired by hope. And as I meditated on that and thought about this wonderful church that I have had the privilege of being invited into, have the privilege of sharing your journey, and you've been remarkably wonderful and kind and generous to me in allowing me to be part of your journey, I, I, I want to celebrate these three simple things with you because they sort of echo your own vision statement remarkably. Um, uh, but also Paul celebrates these in this wonderful church in Thessalonica. And so just for a couple of moments, I, wanna, I just want to hang around each of these three things. Is that okay? And then, and then we'll get to the food and the fun uh, and stuff like that. So, so Paul says this. First of all, we're, we're remembering what? Your work produced by faith. And I love this. I love the fact that Paul puts work and faith together. It's a very Bible idea. The, the, the thought that you can have faith and not do work is not Bible. It's not really a Bible worldview. 
Uh, There's a view out there that says, I can have faith in God and that somehow not translate into action. Now, I have to say, you just got to trust me on this. If you're a brand new person coming into church or you're a baby Christian, you just got to trust me on this. You can't find that as a worldview in the Bible. Uh, What God is always looking for are works that are coming out of faith. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to say, how do we know you've got faith? We know you've got faith, not because of what you say, but because of what you do. See, I've discovered this over 30-ish years of Christian ministry. People believe they believe a lot of things. So in their heads, they believe they believe stuff. But here's what the Bible says. The stuff you really believe is the stuff you do. Come on, are you there? So, so I, I, over the years, I've met gorgeous Christians. Yeah, I believe in mission, but, but they're never anywhere near the action. Is that okay? I, 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 I believe in giving. But the bank statement is sort of challenging that idea. I believe in community pastor. But like, they're never around when community... Now, now I'm not trying to be facetious or cruel. All I'm trying to say is, they believe they believe that. And there's a lot of that going around. But what you really believe is what you do. This is what Paul is saying. He's, when he says work produced by faith, here's what he's saying. He's saying there are works coming out of you that aren't just works. There are works coming out of faith. There are things that you believe. So, so Paul isn't just commending them now for what, they do, what they're doing. He's commending them for what they believe. And it's their belief system that's driving the work. And I love that because when you believe something truly, you'll work it out regardless of what's going on around you. If I believe something, I don't need a good day to do it. Come on. I I don't need all my ducks to line up to to work it. I I don't need uh, for a perfect moment. In fact, if we're waiting for those perfect moments, hell will probably freeze over before we get to do most of them. So what gets me up every day, and I love Kath's expression, what gets me moving every day in this area is I just believe it. I don't need to be stirred up emotionally to give my money. I've just made a decision. This is what I believe. The Bible says some stuff about money. Right, locked and loaded. Let's do it. I don't need to pray about giving to the poor. I don't need to pray about mission. I don't need to pray about, should I join my local church or not? None of that needs to be prayed for because it's actually here. And so so actually, it's not a challenge of, of my works. It's a challenge of my belief. If I believe it, I will do it. And do you know what I love about this church? I, I, I love the fact there's stuff you believe. And how do we know that? You're doing it. You're working it out. It's, it's part of your five ends here that you're committed to. And, and day after day, week after week, you're working this stuff out because it's not just a cool idea. It's not just a, a sexy thought. It is something that's coming out of stuff you believe. And when it comes out of what you believe, those works are, are powerful. 
and life transforming. And I think faith works are the engine room of influence. And if we can just settle what we believe and are prepared to do this no matter what, we will be influential people. Wherever we are, we will be influential people. I absolutely believe that. If local church communities just settle what they believe, we've got this. And we do what we believe, we're going to influence our world, regardless of our numerical size. Are, are you with me? So here's, here's the, that's the first thing Paul says. Uh, we remember your work produced by faith. But he says a second thing, and it sort of sounds the same, but it's a wee bit different. He says, secondly, we remember your labor prompted by love. And I said, John, isn't work and labor the same thing? No. I, I'm a father of three. In fact, my youngest is sitting on the front row. She's been uh, making John's ears bleed with her screaming and shouting uh, throughout the service. And Beth Ann, our youngest, is sitting on the front row. She will turn 18 on Tuesday. Amazing. Uh, on Tuesday, I will have three adult children. That's unbelievable. Uh, how did that happen? I'm not quite sure. But there we are. And I was at the birth of all three of my children. Uh, and when you're, at the, when you're at the birth of one of your children, you know the difference between work <laughs> and labor. And in fact, Paul uses a different word here. It's not just, it's not like we're playing with the semantics in the text where, oh, well, let's, let's find another cool word. No, Paul uses this word deliberately, this idea that there are moments that if you're going to be influential, there are moments of labor. Which implies it's going to be really hard. I, I love coming to celebrations like this. One of the dangers of celebrations like this is you get a little snapshot of all the cool success stuff. What, what you're not seeing are the tears the disappointments, the sorrows, the, the conversations that sort of went south when everyone was trying to keep them north. The moments when you scratched your head, you thought, right, we're doing everything we ought to be doing and it's not quite working the way we thought it would work. Uh, the days when even though you believe it, it's just really tough. Come you with me? And, and you look at a great church, and my goodness, I, I follow people on Instagram and social media, and you get just glimpses into just magnificent people doing magnificent things. And the danger is we go, wouldn't that be cool? Could I have that? Which, which shop do I go to to buy that? How much will that cost me? Well, it'll cost you labor prompted by love. It'll cost you a lifetime of commitment. Yes? And, and great marriages, great businesses, and great Christian communities, influential Christian communities, whatever their size, have all this in common. They have learned to labor in love. Yes? But I, I, as I say, I, I was at the birth of all three of my kids, and the, the one thing that became a reality to me was, thank God I'm not a woman. It's just, Wow. <laughs> Uh, listen, if, if the birth of my children had been down to me, we'd have had one. That would have been it. Maybe. 
The fact that my wife went through it three times, honestly, I've, I've never seen a woman uh, uh, be so ill over a nine-month period and produce something incredibly healthy. I, it was amazing. I, and watching her literally push three children into the world. You know, when my son was being born, he got stuck. Typical boy, right? He got stuck. And, and he was coming and everything was fine. And he got stuck in that birth canal and his shoulder got stuck. And it all got a little bit edgy, and a little bit worrying. And, and it was a, you know, a dramatic, what felt like just, just hours. It was a few moments in reality. But, but in that moment, this is, Dawn won't mind me telling you this. Dawn was so exhausted. My wife was so exhausted. She lay back, uh, put, put her head on the pillow and went to sleep. I'm not making this up. It's absolutely true. And the midwife said to me, you need to wake her up. Uh, and they, they were getting concerned because alarms were going off and all sorts of stuff was happening. Uh, and and, and, and she, uh, she said to me, you need to wake her up. And I, and I do you know that moment where you're going, <laughs> okay, darling, right, come on, pet. You need to just push again. You need to do this again. And it was, it was a terrible thing to be saying to my wife after all she'd gone through, this is baby number two, to come on, darling, I need you to push a bit more. We need to do this. I know you want to sleep. But if you sleep, we're in trouble here. I need you to keep pushing. And, and there are moments in building great churches. And do you know what it comes down to? Push. Just keep pushing. But I don't feel like it. What have our feelings anything to do with? Is Jesus Christ the Son of God or not? Is Jesus Christ the resurrected Savior or not? Did Jesus ra rise from the dead and save my life or not? And there are moments, my goodness, if, if, I, if I counted the times I didn't feel like it, I wouldn't be here. I'd have quit years ago. It's, it's not down to what we feel like. And sometimes, can I even say this? It's not even down to what we want. It's down to what we need to do. And there are people saved today. There are people in this church today. There are people saved and in other churches today because uh, people in Destiny Church kept pushing. Even when it was hard. Even when it was painful. Even when, can I just go to sleep now? No, no, you can't. You have to push. And what keeps you pushing? Love. Love. I'll do this for love. There are things you just do for love. You're not doing it for, for, for the glory. You're not doing it for the emotion. You're not doing it for the feelings. You're not even doing it for the, for the kickback immediately. You're just doing it because this is the right thing to do. And I know I'm on thin, thin ground as a man talking about women giving birth to babies. But I, I do all of that with the highest regard and the highest respect. But it is one of the most amazing moments where I saw the difference between work and labor. There was just nothing glamorous about this moment. It was just push. Now, one of the things that worries me about the modern church is that people just walk away when it gets a wee bit edgy, a wee bit hard. I don't know what they're looking for, why they're looking for some perfection utopia, which doesn't exist. But life gets a wee bit sticky, gets a wee bit hard, and we're, we're backing off. And, and you know, I, I don't want to minimize anyone's pain or anyone's s suffering here tonight, so don't hear that. 
But I just want to say, when we're building great churches, there is a bit of pain. There's a bit of suffering. A bit of trouble. Hopefully not every day. But it's, can I say this? Listen, I love the church. But I'll say this, fairly consistent. When you're building disciples, when you're helping people to come out of darkness into light, when when you're dealing with the rawness of of mission and evangelism and discipleship, all of that, there are moments when it goes beyond just work of faith and it goes into labor of love. And we just do it because it's the right thing to do. And I want to encourage you, whatever local church you're a part of, there are going to be moments we just need you to push. Not quit. If you quit... The next 15 years won't happen. But if prepared to keep pushing, in 15 years we'll have another celebration. A bigger celebration. A more influential celebration. Lives will have been changed. Uh, destinies altered. Communities transformed. Why? Because you just kept pushing when you didn't feel like it. Does that make sense? Here's the last one and we're done. Paul says this. He says, we remember, I love this, your endurance there's a word, endurance, inspired by hope. That word endurance, gorgeous in the language of Paul. It literally means, if we were to break the word down to its component parts, it literally means to remain under. That's what it literally means, the word. It, it means that, that there are moments where you remain, now if you hear this, you remain under the pressure. Now, what keeps you under the pressure? Hope. Hope. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick, the Bible says, but the longing fulfilled is the tree of life. Do you know what I've I've seen over the years remarkably? I've seen people put up with whole heaps of pressure because of hope. Because the hope that this is changing, the hope that we're building something, the hope that God will do something, the hope that God's promises will be fulfilled. I mean, John's testimony tonight about, about words and wells and, uh, and, and stuff like that. I mean, that's remarkable stuff. When you get words like that, suddenly in the midst of cleaning up a filthy building and, and believing God for the money for the building and, and believing God for money for stuff, suddenly that energizes that journey. Why? Because there's that hope that God's in this. That God's building something in this. That God's doing something. And, and when there's hope, you can carry enormous amounts of burden and pressure. When hope goes, the slightest thing can kill you. You know, it's not in the Bible, but we have a little phrase, don't we? Uh, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. And it's not the straw that breaks you. It's the lack of hope that breaks us. And the straw just reminds us of the lack of hope. But when there's hope, when there's something solid and firm within, it's not a hope of, oh, a hope it won't rain tomorrow, hope, but a hope that knows for certain that God is in this, that God is leading us, that God is for us, that he's not against us, that actually that hope helps me to get through the cancer. It helps me to face unemployment. It helps me to to hold steady when my kids aren't as perfect as I hoped they would be. It, it, it causes me to hold steady and endure when the church isn't quite working the way I thought it would work by now. 
I thought by now we would be a thousand. We would have planted this into... But, but actually, hope keeps us on the journey even when we haven't quite made the destination. Hope's an amazing thing. And, and Paul says to this incredible church that, that your endurance, we remember your endurance, what? Inspired by hope. These are ordinary folks. If, if me and you got, got, got in the TARDIS, the Doctor Who's TARDIS, and went back to Thessalonica, we would bump into people who look and sound just like us. Ordinary people, not superstars. Ordinary moms and dads and kids and, and young people uh, uh, and rich and poor and, uh, uh, and different, all sorts of diversity going on in that community. And Paul says to this community of believers, to no one individual, to no superstar individual, he says to the whole community of believers, we remember what you're doing together. And if we can do it together, my goodness, I believe we can be a church of influence. There are moments when God steps in and does what only God does, right? Miracles, incredible breakthrough moments, moments where all leaders in this, this auditorium tonight will have experienced where you're not doing anything different and yet something better is happening than you, you had last year. Uh, and you can't quite work out because it's, it's just God's doing something that only God does and only God can do. We thank God for those amazing moments when God steps in and breathes on us and, and does something supernatural. But, but I've discovered in the in-between of those amazing moments, it's, it comes down to my faith. prompts and inspires the works. It, it comes down to pushing in love. It comes down to staying under the pressure because we've got some hope. And, and if, we, if we as a community of believers, whether you're part of this wonderful church or part of other great churches that are represented here tonight, if we can catch this sort of mentality. Actually, we, we realize then that our, our significance is not so much about how big we are, but it's about how well we're doing. It's not so much about uh, how many we gather, but it's, it's more about uh, how we are sending and motivating that gathered community, whether it be 50 500, 5,000, or 50,000. We are sending people into a world to be influential. And, and we're celebrating tonight. We're celebrating tonight because of people's work produced by faith. We're celebrating tonight because of labor prompted by love. We're celebrating tonight because of endurance inspired by hope. I, I, I've discovered this principle. I, I didn't just arrive. I got here because of the actions, influences, prayers, commitments, surrender, investment of a whole raft of people. Oh yeah, it's all down to the grace of God. I get that. It's down to revelation and faith. I get that. I understand that. 
but but if you if you hold that idea as, as a given but then look at all the influence around just someone like me you realize my goodness i'm here because of someone's work produced by faith i'm here because of somebody's labor prompted by love i'm here because of someone's endurance inspired by hope and as we look to the days that lie ahead um we're believing for breakthrough and great things but these three things will remain well you know whatever destiny looks like tomorrow i'm putting my mortgage on it these three things we're going to have to keep doing when, when we're 500, we need to keep doing this. When we're 5,000, we'll need to keep doing this. If we were ever grew to 50,000, we need to keep doing this. It's just, it's the, it's the ingredients of influence and significance. So wherever you're from, whatever you're a part of, it's not so much our size that creates significance. But it's our influence. Paul says, your faith in God has become known everywhere we live in an age today where a local church like this can be truly not only locally but globally influential if we're prepared to follow not only the purposes of god but commit ourselves to faith works love labor and endurance that is inspired by hope amen why don't you stand with me you've been so gracious in listening to me I'm going to hand back in a moment to Jonathan and he'll, he'll tell us what's happening for the rest of the evening. It has been my absolute joy to share tonight. Thank you for the privilege. Some of you know me, be connected here. Some of you may not know, it doesn't matter. But it's been an absolute joy that on this night of all nights, a night when we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus this weekend, to celebrate his church. To celebrate the thing he died and rose for. What a great thing that we are celebrating the church that is still alive, still kicking, still the fastest growing conversion religion in the world. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. So Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this church. Not just for the last 15 years, but as we heard earlier on tonight, for faithful men and women of God who in 1928 put some seed in the ground. We're so grateful. Thank you for those who years later would put their money in the ground and buy the first building. Thank you for those who remortgaged and sacrificed and invested and gave of themselves. Thank you. Lord Jesus, even for people who are not here tonight for whatever reason, but whose investment made this moment possible. And Lord, we thank you for this community that is represented tonight. Not only do they represent the success of the past, but Lord, they represent the hope of the future. And so Lord Jesus, I pray that you will help each one of us in this weekend of all weekends, a weekend of resurrection life and celebration, a weekend where we can say we are here because of faith and hope and love. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we will be a community that takes faith, hope, and love to our world so that, Lord, your name will be glorified and that your world will be reached. 
in Jesus' name.